Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah indeed. Uh, greetings, people loved by God. It's a joy to welcome you all to worship today, and we also welcome our friends who are joining with us online today. Just a reminder that under the resources tab, you can download the bulletin, and there are opportunities for you to give your offerings as well. Just a few announcements before we begin our worship today. Uh, this upcoming Saturday on April 30th, we'll give thanks uh, for the life and ministry of Pastor Norm Meyer. So we invite you to join us as we remember and give thanks to God for such a special pastor and friend. The service will begin at 10.30 a.m. and we'll have a luncheon following the service down in the gym. If you're able and willing to help with that luncheon, please sign up on the sign-up sheet at the Welcome Center. Day 3 Seeds will be at chapel for Mother's Day. So they have uh, hanging baskets, potted geraniums, and many assorted types of yard and garden plants will be on display for your choosing. There will also be some fresh homegrown cabbage, broccoli, and asparagus from the Day 3 Seeds Garden. The sale proceeds are dedicated to the refuge seed relief efforts of Day 3 Seeds and Seed for Souls East Africa. The hours for that are Saturday 10 to 3 and Sunday 10 to 1. After a two-year hiatus, we will once again be having greeters at all of our Sunday services. We do, however, need more volunteers to serve as greeters. If you'd like to volunteer and be a greeter um, at the door for those who are coming to worship, this would be wonderful, and it's a great way for you to serve the Lord. If you're willing and able, if you would please uh, let us know or just call the church office, that would be great. There are a couple announcements about uh, new Bible studies that are coming up. On Wednesday, April 27th at 6.30 p.m., we'll start a new Wednesday evening study called Lost Books, where we'll look at why books of the Bible were made part of the canon of Scripture and while others didn't quite make the cut. And on Wednesday, May 4th, also at 6.30, a new discovery class will begin. Discovery class is a 10-week class that Pastor Lesh will lead, and it's especially for those wishing to become members at Chapel of the Cross or for those who would like to review what the church believes, teaches, and confesses. So if it's been a while since you were confirmed, and we have confirmation Sunday next weekend, but if it's been a while since you were confirmed and you want a little refresher, this class is also for you. And on Sunday, May 8th, we, welcome, we will welcome uh, Dr. Leo Sanchez, professor of systematic theology at Concordia Seminary, as our special Bible study leader, May 8th through May 29th. He will be speaking on life in the spirit, 
and you'll want to make sure uh, to come to those special Bible classes that will be held here in the sanctuary starting Sunday, May 8th. Uh, Dr. Sanchez is the Holy Spirit expert at Concordia Seminary, so you're encouraged to come, and I, I know you'll be enriched by that study. Our Elder of the Week this weekend is uh, Jonathan Bellman. See, yep, there he is in the back. Great. Uh, Jonathan will be greeting you as you, lead worship, or as you leave worship today, and we encourage you to get to know your elders here at Chapel of the Cross. May God bless you as we worship together this day. We begin by singing our opening hymn together, Come, you faithful, raise the strain. You're invited to stand as we sing.
Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by our own hand, and by the way of blessing. We have not loved you from our heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may be light in your world and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die and to rise for each and every one of you. And for his sake, God forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. 
Almighty God, grant that we who have celebrated the Lord's resurrection may by your grace confess in our life and conversation that Jesus is Lord and God, through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading comes from the fifth chapter of Acts. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. This is the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. The epistle is from the first chapter of Revelation. John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to whom he loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. 
To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion, and the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eye were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His voice was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. This is the word of the Lord. sacrifice to conquer every sting of death sing sing alleluia
hearts believe that blessed are those who have not seen yet sing hallelujah for the reading of the Holy Gospel, according to St. John, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hands into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting 
and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord.
Christ is risen. He, he is, is risen, risen indeed. Hallelujah. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from our risen and our victorious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Unfortunate adjectives. You remember what an adjective is, right? And think back to grade school English. An adjective we learned way back when is that word that serves as a modifier of a noun. So it describes and it tells us more about that noun. And that word unfortunate, well, we know what that word means too. Unfavorable or regrettable or lamentable or sad. And, and when you put those two words together, well, let's just say that you don't really want the unfortunate adjective to describe you. But unfortunate adjectives describe us all the time, don't they? Sometimes other people give us those unfortunate adjectives. Other times we give those unfortunate adjectives to ourselves. Obnoxious, damaged, dumb, ugly, fearful, weak, irrelevant, arrogant, grumpy, selfish, unhappy, inconsiderate, lazy, awkward, timid, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Unfortunate adjectives. You, know, you read through the, the account of Holy Week and through that first week after Easter, I think that we could use a number of adjectives, maybe a, a number of unfortunate adjectives, to describe the followers of Jesus Christ. On Easter Sunday morning, Scripture tells us that Peter and John, they run to the tomb. Peter barges himself into that open and empty tomb, and there's no Jesus in that tomb, of course, because he had risen from the dead. But this had not quite dawned on Peter yet. In fact, last week, if you remember the Gospel reading, St. Luke says that Peter went away wondering to himself what had happened. So we find the disciple Peter in that empty Easter tomb where the evidence is absolutely clear that Jesus is risen from the dead. But the adjective that we could use to describe Peter's faith at that moment is questioning. Questioning faith. After all that Peter had seen, after all he had experienced and been through, that is an unfortunate adjective to have on Easter Sunday morning, isn't it? Now where do we find the disciples on that first Easter evening? Well, John 20 tells us that the disciples were together in the upper room with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. And then Jesus comes and he stands among them. So where were they? Where does Jesus find them? Behind locked doors. And what word could we maybe use to describe those disciples that evening? I think a good word would be fearful. Fearful disciples. Oh, what an unfortunate adjective to have on Easter evening. So we find the disciples at the tomb questioning. We find the disciples behind locked doors fearful. And then we're going to find them a week later in the same location in that upper room with the doors locked. This time, Thomas was with them. And again, Jesus comes into that room miraculously. He enters that room and he stands among them. So a week later, where do we find those disciples? Same place. Doors locked. But now the adjective to describe them isn't so much fearful, 
But especially if you look at Thomas, what word do we always use with Thomas? Doubting. Doubtful. That is an unfortunate adjective to have. So you see where we found the disciples so far. We found them by the tomb, questioning. We found them behind locked doors, afraid. And we found them behind locked doors, doubting. Questioning disciples. Afraid disciples. Doubting disciples. Unfortunate adjectives all. But as we get a little further into that Easter story, we notice that the adjectives begin to change, don't they? And the adjective to describe the adjectives ceases to be unfortunate. Listen again to that a few verses from Acts chapter 5. That was our, our first reading appointed for this day. Acts 5 takes us to be with the disciples in Jerusalem several weeks after the resurrection. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. So do you notice where the disciples are? They're behind locked doors again, aren't they? They're behind the locked doors of a prison cell. But they're only there for a little while because an angel of the Lord opens those doors for them. And then where are they found? It is a very surprising location, I think. They're in the temple courts in front of the very people who had crucified Jesus and had just threatened them. Now, if there was an adjective that could be used to describe those disciples on that day in their faith, I think that adjective would be courageous. Wouldn't you? Don't you think when you hear that story, boy, you see those disciples they had courageous faith, for sure. Even the religious leaders, when they saw the disciples and what they were doing, they said, hey, these guys are courageous. They were astonished at their courage, Scripture says in Acts chapter 4. The disciples, weeks after Easter, had courageous faith. Courageous faith was a byproduct of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection had changed the adjectives of the disciples, and they were courageous disciples of Christ. So in a, in a matter of weeks after the resurrection, we see this incredible turnaround for the disciples. Their adjectives get changed from, from questioning and, and fearful and doubtful to courageous. Jesus Christ, in his resurrection, changed their hearts. And when he changed their hearts, he changed their lives. Because when their adjective was fearful, they wanted to hide. And when their adjective was doubting, they wanted to question. But when their adjective was courageous, they wanted to witness to the Christ because they had something powerful to share about this new life possible in Jesus. That's how the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed those men. He changed their location, brought them out from behind locked doors, and he gave them courageous faith. Now today, for you, I mean, this is one week after Easter, right? What adjectives would you use maybe to describe your faith this morning? Think about that for a minute. What adjective would you just use to describe your faith? Today I have a blank faith. Fill in the blank. 
Is it like the disciples on that first Easter? Maybe questioning or fearful or doubtful. Here are some other adjectives. Strong, weak, stagnant, wavering, steady. Or is it satisfied, contagious, comfortable, irrelevant? What's the first adjective that kind of comes to your mind? What adjective would describe your faith today? And and what location does God find you in this morning? Where are you? Are are you like the disciples behind locked doors? Or maybe we're a little like Thomas in John 20. You heard that story. Jesus had appeared to the others, and they told Thomas they had seen the risen Lord. But he wouldn't have anything to do with that. Unless, did you hear his unless? Unless God fulfills a few demands. Three, in fact. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I put my finger where the nails were, unless I put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Thomas said, my adjective is remaining the same, doubtful or skeptical or unbelieving, until God fulfills my demands. Now, do people have that kind of attitude today? Do we sometimes have that kind of attitude today? Oh, you betcha. God, if my adjective is going to change from fear or doubt or whatever it may be, then here's what you are going to have to do for me. I I want you to fix this problem that I have in my family. And I want you to bring health back to my friend who's not doing so well. And I want you to put a little money in my paycheck because what I got is just not cutting it. You will do that. Otherwise, I will not change. Hmm. Fortunately for Thomas... In spite of his doubtful adjective, his doubtful attitude, Jesus appears to him anyway. In love, he comes to Thomas and he says, Here I am, Thomas. You want to see nail holes? You want to see a hole in my side? Here I am. Have at it. Stop doubting, Thomas, and believe. And having his adjective changed by the risen Christ, Thomas drops to his knees and he says, Oh, my Lord and my God. And we see that story, we could say, well, you know, it's easy for the disciples, really. They got to actually see Jesus. And for all of his doubting, I mean, the thing that, that, that turned Thomas around was actually looking at Jesus Christ, seeing him in the flesh, standing right in front of him. Of course they were changed. Of course their adjectives changed. But what about us? Well, we don't get to, say, to see Jesus the same way, do we? Which one of us has seen Jesus face to face like the disciples? Not too many of us, I don't think. But when you read this story from John 20, we quickly, quickly realize that we do have some of the same things those first disciples had, three things in particular that those first disciples had. We have them in just maybe a little different kind of way. First thing that we have is Christ's presence. John 20, verse 26 says, Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them. Jesus Christ was present with his disciples, and that changed them, totally changed them. 
You know, Jesus Christ still comes to his people today. And Jesus Christ is still present with his people today. Where? Right here. Why did Thomas not see Jesus the first Easter evening that when he first appeared to his disciples? Why did he not see Jesus that night? Because he wasn't there. That's why he didn't see Jesus. So Thomas missed out on the presence of Jesus because Thomas was absent. You know, today a lot of people miss out on the presence of Jesus Christ because just like Thomas, they are not present with his people in his house where he promises to appear week after week after week. He appears in his word. He appears in the sacrament. He promises to be here. We have the promise of the presence of Jesus Christ every single time that we are here. We have the same thing those disciples had in that upper room. We have Christ's presence, and Christ's presence changes our adjectives. Second thing we have, same thing they had, we have is peace. Do you notice the first thing that Jesus says to his disciples when he comes to them? He came and he, he stood among them miraculously and he says what? Peace be with you. Now you remember that the last time the disciples had been with Jesus, they had betrayed him, they had denied him, and they had deserted him in his greatest need. So if all of your buddies bail on you and deny you and betray you and you get killed, how do you think about your what do you think about your buddies? Not too happy with them, right? Well, here they are in the upper room. And this is the first time that they see Jesus since that early good Friday, early good Friday when they deserted him. What do you think that's going through their mind when Jesus shows up? Uh-oh, he's here. I wonder what he's going to do to us. But Jesus throws all that out the window with the very first things that he says. Peace be with you. Jesus is saying, listen, guys, it's okay. Between you and me, there's peace because you are forgiven. Peace be with you. That was an incredibly significant statement. Peace be with you. It changed those disciples. It changed their adjectives. We still get that statement today. And that changes our adjectives too, from doubtful or fearful or stagnant to courageous. God says to you and to me, he says, listen, between you and me, there's peace because you are forgiven. Peace be with you. In fact, the last word that we share together in worship, just about every time we get together, you know what that word is? You guessed it. Peace. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord give you peace. We end our worship with that declaration almost every single time. We'll do it again today. Peace. That changes us. That changes our adjectives. Jesus gives his presence and Jesus gives his peace. Last thing he gives is proof. Remember what he said to Thomas? Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting, Thomas, and believe. Jesus gives them proof 
that he was alive. Oh, oh, now, now, wait a minute. We don't have Jesus' side to kind of put our hand into, do we? We don't have his fingers and, or, or his hands to put our finger into, do we? So what proof does Jesus give to us? That's what we want, right? We need the proof. Well, the proof is in the last couple of verses of John 20. Listen again to what John writes. He says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We have the proof book. We've got Jesus' word. That is the proof that God gives that Jesus is alive. And he gives his proof to change our unfortunate adjectives so that we would believe and so that we would have life. Jesus walks into that upper room that week after Easter and he wants to change those men. And boy, does he ever change those men. He gives them his presence, he gives them his peace, and he gives them his proof. And they are changed. And Jesus walks into our upper room today. He comes here. And what do you think he wants to do this week after Easter? He wants to do the same thing. He wants to change us. He wants to change our unfortunate adjectives from fearful or doubting or wavering or stagnant or weak or irrelevant or whatever yours may be, living behind locked doors to courageous. And he gives you his presence. He gives you his peace. He gives his proof. And he changes us. He changes our adjectives. So we may live courageously for him. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand with me as we confess together our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. That's printed for you on page 11 in your bulletin. Together we confess. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated as we gather our offering to the Lord.
rise in body and spirit to pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all according to their needs. We give thanks to you, O Christ, for having suffered, died, and risen from the grave to establish an eternal peace that surpasses our human understanding. Author our speech and direct our actions that we may echo this peace throughout our lives to a world in need. Destroy our doubt, diminish our fears, and increase the measure of our faith that we may winsomely proclaim you, the risen Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Christ, we praise you for having made atonement for us, refreshing and restoring our relationship with God the Father. May the unconditional forgiveness we have received from you be reflected in our attitude and demeanor towards others. May we be willing to forgive as we have been forgiven. Lord, in your mercy. In our Heavenly Father, continually sustain our Easter faith in the waters of baptism and the bread and wine of Holy Communion. Increase our joy as we are sent forth by your blessing to be your people in the midst of a broken humanity boldly reflecting your compassion and your love. Lord, in your mercy. Risen Lord, we give you thanks for sending workers out into your harvest field. As vicarage placement and call day approaches this week, we ask your blessing upon all seminarians and their families, but especially upon the field workers here at Chapel of the Cross who will be receiving a call or who will be placed for vicarage, including Alex Goodwin, Jed McClellan, and Adam Rouse. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, as we celebrate the 175th anniversary of the founding of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, we give great thanks to you for your gifts showered upon this church body over the years. We ask that you keep and preserve the congregations and schools and organizations of the LCMS. Help us always with bold and steadfast hearts and voices to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, crucified and risen for our salvation and for the salvation of the world. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, sustain the balance of authority throughout the world, that political and military leaders may pursue that which is right and just for all people. Support the security of our nation that we may live peaceful lives. Lord, in your mercy. Incarnate Lord, we ask that that you comfort and sustain those whose minds are entrapped in deception, whose bodies are crippled with disease, and whose spirits are distressed. Reassure us that your Easter victory is sufficient in the face of all adversity. We especially pray this day for those family members and friends suffering from sickness or infirmity, including Nawan Cunningham, Cheryl Emke, and Tom Hetrick. We also pray for others who are in need during this time of silent prayer.
Give to these, sisters and brothers in Christ, your Easter peace, your comfort, and if it be your will, your healing. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, we rejoice with those who celebrate special gifts of your grace this day. Especially do we thank and praise you, Lord, along with Jack and Sue Plack, as they celebrate 55 years of marriage. Continue to lead, guide, and bless them as they give thanks to you for your good gifts. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God, for the countless blessings you so freely bestow on us and all creation. Above all, we give thanks for your boundless love shown to us when you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh and laid on him our sin, giving him into death that we may not die eternally. Because he is now risen from the dead and lives and reigns forever as Lord and God, all who believe in him will overcome sin and death and will rise again to new life. Therefore, with Thomas, and with all the witnesses of the resurrection, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you, for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you.
rise for prayer. Hear, O Lord, in the true body and blood of your Son, you have seen face to face and touched the same Savior who showed his hands and side to Thomas 
and the other disciples. Grant that we who have believed in our crucified Savior may confess with great boldness to the power of his resurrection. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Indeed, the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in faith now and in hope for his promised return. Depart in his peace and receive his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. We sing together our closing hymn.
Thank mm-hmm. you.